The sound of the Amis tribe on Radio Taiwan International. Thank you so much for joining us here on Radio Taiwan International. And as Andrew Ryan just told you, that was just the sound of the indigenous Amis tribe in Taiwan. Uh, up next this hour, I have for you Newsmakers, where Tomash tells you about someone made the news in Taiwan. So, or something. Or something. Which is going to be the case this episode. And then uh, we also have In the Spotlight, where Shirley interviews somebody who is doing some good work in Taiwan. But we're going to start off like we always do with a little bit of Here in a Taiwan. Welcome to Here in Taiwan, where we talk about the news that doesn't quite make it onto our website. I'm your host for today, Leslie Liao, and joining me in the studio is, you just heard him, his name is Mr. Tomas Koper. Hello, everyone. And uh, we come to you in four, two formats in this show. Four formats. Can you believe if we came to you in four formats? <laughs> two formats in this show. One is uh, Facebook Live, and if you're watching from there, well, today is Wednesday, February 23rd, but if you're listening on our more traditional formats of shortwave, then Today is Thursday, February 24th, and on today's news docket, we're going to be talking about the gender pay gap trend in Taiwan, and it's not very ideal, we'll be talking to you about that. Then we're going to be telling you about snow, record snow, in a place that's named, well, if you heard the name of the place, you might think, well, duh, <laughs> but you got to realize in Taiwan, snow is not very common, no, no matter where you are. it's a special occasion. It's a very, very special occasion. And then I'm going to be telling you about third, a TV show host got in some trouble over exotic animals. Now, I can assure you that the animals in this story, they're all fine, they're all well and good. It's just about the questionable practices of capitalism and transactions and money. And then uh, if we have time, we're going to be telling you about some imports in Taiwan not making the cut, particularly one that Tomas and I had a little bit of fun with. Uh, before coming on air. All that and more coming up next on Here in Taiwan. Don't go away, you guys. something really quickly one of our viewers gustavo lucas and both jen delari says that the stream seems a little bit choppy and gustavo says the sound is not clear there are kind of cuts now yeah. the reason for that is because we usually come uh, stream out to you via ethernet but the ethernet cable isn't quite working as tomash is showing the screen right now it's uh yeah if you look at it it's doesn't resemble any proper Ethernet cable that I, I know of. But we're going to press on this with today's news. This is an ex-Ethernet cable. It's an ex-Ethernet cable. This used cable. to be an Ethernet cable. Now it's a piece of junk. Um, especially So let's talk about the gender pay gap, which is a recent issue. Well, not even, I don't want to say recent. It's always been uh, in a society's mind. And, you know, we think with more awareness we would address it more or we do take steps to remedy it. Um, at least in Taiwan, that doesn't seem to be the case because the hourly pay of male wage earners in Taiwan last year averaged 
15.8% higher than that of uh, hourly female workers, which is pretty significant. So to give you an idea, the hourly pay of male uh, wage earners last year was around 361 new Taiwan dollars, which is 13 US dollars. Whereas for females, it was $300, which is, I want to say about $2 less at around $11. Now, Mm -hmm. um, this is pretty significant uh, considering that Taiwan prides itself on like equality and trying to be very, how would you say, Tomas? Um, fair. Uh, Taiwan wants to be fair to everyone um, in a lot of different ways. Yeah. But that doesn't, you know, it's a nice ideal. It doesn't always work out in practice um, over here. And Not that it does anywhere else. Honestly. It seems that Taiwan has been making incremental improvements to remedying the pay gap. However, I don't think it's coming fast enough. Yeah. Because in years before, the Ministry of Labor says... Uh, the hourly pay for women actually rises faster than that for men, right? So they're, they make, I guess, the raises in their salary are higher than that of men. However, that was not the case last year. No. Because last year, the pay, hourly pay for men rose 4.6%, while women uh, kind of lagged behind in one point, with 1.3%. Um so this is just something that Taiwan needs to deal with. This is just something we'd like to bring to your attention. Uh, they said that especially in the hospitality and restaurant sector where women workers outnumber men workers, 56.3% of the workers in the restaurant and hospitality sector are uh, women, they received a 1.2% uh, pay increase because of the COVID-19 um situation the situation but the male dominated the males got more pay because they were worked more in the manufacturing sector Mm. right Mm -hmm. so they saw an average pay increase of 5.5 percent um yeah man i mean there is this argument that the differences in pay are not the result of discrimination but different choices uh when it comes to employment um which has been thoroughly debunked in the past uh, by by many people smarter than I am. Uh, so uh, I just mentioned that to uh, address some counter arguments that might arise uh, yeah. that, oh, it's just, you know, manufacturing is somehow different than working in the hospitality industry. Yeah. No, work is work. Yeah, work is work. Um, but there seems to be something for even... I don't want to say it's a justification because there is no justification for the gender pay gap. No. But uh, Taiwan's 15, 8%, 15.8% rise is still lower than that of Japan, which rose 307 last year. Uh, th- those are gaps, not, not increases. Yeah, right? gaps. So, yeah. gaps. <clears throat> so the gap was 30.7% in Japan last year. It rose by 37.7%. Uh, South Korea rose 30.4%, and the United States rose by 16.9%. So, still kind of uh, uh, not to, ideal. To, to quote a popular HBO show about a certain nuclear disaster in former Soviet Union, uh, not great, not terrible. Not great, not terrible. So back to our conversation about the, uh, the pay gap, man. Let me ask you something, because your, your wife, she works. Yes. Do you have any idea... Uh, if 
she makes considerably less than you like no no yeah. and and well um with with the two of us she actually makes more than i do mm. yeah okay but she's also a highly skilled worker yes. she knows like three four does she know three languages uh i mean she speaks uh japanese she's yeah. uh, like pr professionally so uh -huh. to speak like she's a professional translator yeah, yeah, and yeah. uh also uh, well, speaks fantastic english as you've heard on friday Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. She was. She, she's very, and her Japanese seemed very fluent. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that is the latest coming from the gender pay gap. Just to let you guys know, um, I think Tomash, the way you and I can weigh into this in a limited capacity because we are both men. Yes. Yeah, that's all I'm gonna say about that. <laughs> So let's talk about uh, snow in Taiwan. Snow is always treated like some kind of miracle tourist attraction. And that's because Taiwan is in a subtropical, tropical climate. We don't see a lot of snow. No. Um, in fact, in, in uh, outside of mountainous areas, and I'm talking really high mountains, we don't see any snow at all. Yeah, so that's why it's big news that in Taiwan this past week, we've had a cold snap. 90 centimeters of snow has fallen in a place, get this, called Shisan, <laughs> which translates into Snow Mountain. Now, if you're thinking that, hey, any place called Snow Mountain seeing snow, well, that's <laughs> like a place called Volcano Island having a volcano, right? <laughs> but uh, this is a huge deal because 90 centimeters is a lot. 90 centimeters mm -hmm. is almost a meter of snow, yeah. which is almost unheard of in Taiwan. And Shisan is the second highest mountain um, in Taiwan. And uh, they said this is the most snow in five years. Uh, and it's located in Taichung. So it's in central Taiwan. And if the snow trends continue, I guess the snow is coming on and off. Um, it, the record could surpass, oh, the 145 centimeter mark where the bar was set in 2016. So the most it ever was was 145 centimeters. We're at 90 centimeters now with the current cold snap. And they say, I guess they're still snowing right now. Um, and despite the snow, like I said, Taiwan treats snow like a tourist attraction. Oh, yeah. Big so time. a bunch of keen hikers have decided to try and hike up to the mountain peak over the past few days. <laughs> Which is not a great idea in a country that doesn't see regular snow. It's not equipped. Like, people no. aren't re regularly equipped to deal with snow in Taiwan. As someone who was... Uh, almost born in snow except i was born in the summer but uh, you, you get the meaning <laughs> i mean i am from a country that is famous for harsh winters uh, not as famous as i don't know like northern russia or something but <laughs> siberia yeah i mean it's it's yeah it gets pretty cold uh and it, and it snow, used to snow a lot you know now with climate change it's different um let me say this uh if you are not familiar with uh driving in snow or just being outside uh, in a snowy weather don't do that. Yeah, it's it's a really really bad idea. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, pace yourself. Uh, go on a on a walk for like half an hour first, and then see how you feel about snow. Don't go hiking up a mountain <laughs> to like, find snow. Yeah, to find snow. This is it's cold on the top of a mountain anyway, even without snow. And snow just makes everything so much worse. Especially in Taiwan, where there is not a big emphasis or industry around uh snow preparedness right no, like in the no. states you have to tire you have to chain up your tires you have to salt your driveway just to make sure things don't slip 
um in taiwan i feel like people are just like oh my goodness it's snow it must be beautiful but they don't realize that snow is a very infiltrating type of cold it yes. gets under you man mm -hmm. and it's, I, it melts on top of you yeah and, and it just turns into water that's really really cold still and like i say uh i always say like snow is fun for about five minutes yeah and then it's about how at five fun, minutes how you're just like all right i want to go back inside yep so especially if you're a driver and so a few years ago, there was snow on uh, Yangming Mountain, yeah. which is a, a mountain that's very close to Taipei. And a lot of people decided to drive out there to see the snow, which just boggled my mind because Taipei drivers are, well, let's just say, not the best. Yeah. <laughs> just in general. <laughs> At the best of times, I have, I have a list of points to address. But then add snow to the mix and it's, it's just a deadly combination. Uh, the drivers have no experience driving in snow, and the cars, the the tires that are in use here are not fit to drive in snow. In in European countries where there's a lot of snow in the winter, people actually change their tires every season. Uh, my mom has two sets. She has winter tires and she has summer tires because winter tires are like they make a huge difference. Summer tires are very very slippery on snow. So lo and behold. There were a lot of fender benders and people just like bumping into each other because they lose lost grip on the road. And it's not just snow either, man. Like I because it's been raining pretty hard over the past few days in Taiwan. Yeah. A lot of traffic incidents. Um, <laughs> a lot of traffic incidents of just especially with the way people drive in Taiwan. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make like a blanket statement, but I've seen like some irresponsible driving mm -hmm. when I drive. Uh, I've seen irresponsible driving everywhere. Yeah, it's just. Uh, yeah, uh, Taiwan, you, you, you have the same problem, but then a much uh, higher uh, traffic intensity like b because there are a lot more people living on the same space compared to many other like European or, nor or North American city. Yeah. Population density is just high. You're going to have a lot of cars. You're going to have a lot of accidents. Uh, yeah, so that's the latest news on snow on Snow Mountain being treated <laughs> like news. Let's see really quickly. Uh, Nazir Aziz says, uh, RTI has yet to send up a calendar. Nazir, you are not the only one that have not. We, we have sent uh, calendars out to our listening clubs and our listeners. It's just with the post system right now, the global post system at least, just it's not in a good place. I mean, Tomash, I think you said it took you about a month and a half to get a package. Yes. Um, from... Uh, it was two months, yeah. uh, almost. Oh, two, two months. months. Oh, well, actually, no. Yeah, around a month and a half to get uh, packages from Poland, yeah. Mm. Uh, or actually, no, sending, sent them to Poland. And, and then, yeah, it took forever. Um, packages that my family sent me for Christmas, uh, so the other way, uh, were fine. They arrived in like two weeks. Mm. Okay. So just be patient with us, Nazir. If come like March, you still haven't gotten a calendar, let us know. We'll, uh, we'll follow up with that. All right, let's move on to the next story about um, a former TV host. Uh, her name is Li Tianyi, and she used to work for the TV network SET. Now, she's being questioned this week as part of a uh, suspected profiteering and breach of faith in an animal importation case. So this is going to require a little bit of background. So SET... The news station is part of a huge group called the SET Group. Now, the SET Group, they wanted to 
build a safari, a wild safari-like attraction. I, I don't know if I can call it a zoo. This is okay. starting to sound like Tiger King. It almost is. <laughs> so I, I, I haven't got started yet, man. So the SET group is trying to build, they wanted to build a 1P World Safari Zoo in Tainan. And that's, uh, and they asked, they, they were looking to import exotic animals. Here's the animal list. 18 giraffes, white rhinos, antelope and antelopes um so the thing is uh li tian yi and her husband set up a company to help import these animals but the animals never made it and not just that but uh an investigation revealed that these animals the price quoted by li's company to the set group were very very marked up Marked hmm. up by as much as two hundred fifty thousand U.S. dollars. Wow, I per animal not, or total? It says per per animal. Wow. Yeah, and uh, I am not an expert on exact on exotic animals by any means. I don't know how much a giraffe would cost. Like no idea. We got to get Joe Exotic in. Yeah, for exactly. That, <laughs> for an interview, and I don't even think he'd give us a straight answer. Uh, but I can only, get you a giraffe for two hundred. <laughs> I can get you a giraffe for a quarter of that price. Oh, I don't know how many listeners are going to get that reference. Um, But the money actually made it into Lee and her husband's bank accounts, but the animals were never brought to Taiwan. So investigators and prosecutors are just like, what's going on here? Is this something under the table? Is this just a way to, you know, give somebody money for nothing? Uh, She is being held on bail on half a million new Taiwan dollars. And, uh, yeah, they are going to be prosecuted. Just to let you know, guys, if you want to use exotic animals as a front to transfer money between you and your confidants, don't do that because Taiwan's prosecutors are on it. What is it with, like, people just being weird in the in the wild animal industry? <laughs> <laughs> no, man. It's just, it's does, it, does it promote this kind of behavior? Like, what, what's, Is there what's just some, something about wild animals that just make people go, like, yeah, yeah, man, let's do yeah, something I'm, shady. <laughs> yeah. Let's do something shady. All right, and uh, let's move on to the story that Tomash and I have been itching to talk about. Uh, the headline of the story says that Taiwan steps up inspections of strawberries from Japan, but it's not just strawberries from Japan that are being scrutinized at this point at Taiwan's borders. I think there's an emphasis on Japan recently because Taiwan just recently lifted a ban on food imports from the Fukushima area in Japan. And if you don't know, Fukushima is the site of a nuclear meltdown that happened back in 2011. A few um, food imports from Fukushima and a few neighboring prefectures were banned for radiation uh, concerns in Taiwan. So I think this is why they're scrutinizing the strawberries from Japan a little more. Um... But there also includes uh, imports from Chile, cherries from Chile, which I didn't know Chile produced cherries. But then again, Hmm. there's nothing unusual about that. Fresh strawberries from Japan, sparkling dark grape juice from Australia, which kind (laughs) of just sounds like a euphemism for wine. For wine, right? (laughs) Like. Yeah, dude. Is it because it's from Australia? You technically can't I, call I it guess. wine. Yeah, because <laughs> you call it sparkling dark grape I mean, juice. Australia, Australia produces a lot of wine, and I mean, I don't know why I found it amusing that they would also make grape juice. Yeah, <laughs> strawberry biscuit sticks from Thailand. So these four products: the cherries from Chile, the strawberries from Japan, the dark grape juice from Australia, and the strawberry biscuit sticks from Tha- from Thailand. They had higher than permitted levels of pesticides. 
uh, found in the strawberries from Japan. I'm sorry, it's just the Japan strawberries that mm-hmm. have the pesticides. And um, that's why they're stepping up, I guess, inspections with these Japanese. I, so it's not even radiation that's the problem. And then um, two, the chip, the cherries from Chile, they were inspected because excessive amounts of pesticides also. What do they say about the... Australian. Well, there are, there are also other products. Yeah, um, let's let's and, talk and about those. Yeah, because uh, there's one that really caught us at, uh, our attention. Um, it's an American food supplement. Uh, I, do you have that story open? Yes, um, I do. What it's, is it called? It's called a nutritional spray. <laughs> and I had to go in there and do a little bit of research as to what nutritional spray was. <laughs> My daily choice. Guys, it is exactly what it sounds like. You just, it's like, hey, do you want? Like to make your food super because superfoods are a huge thing. Just whatever you eat, spray this stuff onto your food beforehand, and it's going to give you vitamins and minerals and stuff, uh, which is insane. I mean, why why spray it on your food? I mean, you if you really want to make your pee very expensive because that's basically what nutritional supplements are. You're just uh, most of that just kind of runs through your system without a, a measurable effect or significant statistically significant effect why not just take a pill why 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 spray that on top of yeah. your food I, I just don't it's just like understand the joke was like you're at a steakhouse and the waiter's just like <laughs> sir i've seen you've uh you've ordered a porterhouse and some french fries would you like a salad with that to balance it out and the guy's just like no you know what i got my nutritional spray so i'm i'm gonna be about to spray this baby down needs. <laughs> um Sir, like, uh, yes, we offered a healthy option. It's a, it's still a twenty-four ounce porterhouse, but we're gonna spritz some vitamins. We're gonna spritz some vitamins on there. Yeah, instead of the pepper grinder, they come around. They come around with these nutritional sprays. Um, and here, okay, so here's the, okay, so that was banned because it contained banned preservatives. Isn't that ironic? Like something that's marketed as a health food Mm -hmm. containing preservatives, uh, because it's a scam. That's it. Sorry, plain and simple. I mean, um, I'm not saying that particular product just for, you know, it's my opinion also um, that this is like a purposeful scam. But I'm just saying all products in that category are pretty much just just ways of making you pay for a feeling of comfort and safety that you get after you pop a pill. Uh, that says vitamins. Yeah, on it. guys, just eat a balanced diet. Yeah, go, go go walk. Go for a walk. You're gonna be fine. Yeah, just have an actual salad. Um, apparently, whoa, the dark grape juice from Australia contained banned sulfur dioxide bleach. Now, as far as as far as things that I don't want to ingest goes, bleach is kind of on on there, man. Yeah, because like, isn't it was isn't it like an internet reaction to say like if you read something you didn't like, you're just like I'm gonna go wash my eyes out with bleach or something like <laughs> yeah. that. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not saying do that. Don't do that at all. Do not do anything with bleach other than clean with it in minimal amounts. Yes, but like I'm just saying it's a saying. So as far when you, when it comes to like bleach and ingesting it, that is a no no zone. That's no. a big no go for me. Uh, but yeah, man. As far as this story from. Japanese imports with strawberries goes. Our biggest takeaway was nutritional spray. Uh, yeah. Um, also worth noting, I think, is that uh, the Taipei City Department of Health uh, released a list of substandard fresh fruit and vegetables, which showed that uh, more than 50% of imported products tested in January 
failed inspections for excessive in, uh, insecticide. 50%. 50%. That's an insane amount. So, uh, yeah, not only are wild animals imported improperly in Taiwan, also fruit and vegetables. Correct. And I'm glad those are getting caught. But, like, oh, my God, stop importing <laughs> shady fruit and vegetables. Just Can't you just do the homework beforehand yeah. and not get it caught at the teacher? Yeah, don't import giraffes. Don't import, like, funky salads. Uh, anyway, that's about all the time we have for this edition of Here in Taiwan. Thank you so much for sticking with us. Uh, we understand that there was some audio issues with the stream we're gonna look into that but uh we hope you join us again on friday uh, when it's tomash and shirley mm -hmm. uh for here in taiwan i'm leslie liao and i'm tomash copper uh, we'll talk to you again soon guys up next like i said is newsmakers and in the spotlight don't go away it's all good stuff Newsmakers, a look at Taiwan's movers and shakers. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Newsmakers. Today we are going to be looking at a concept that has been in the headlines almost every single week since the end of last year, the metaverse. On October 28, 2021, Mark Zuckerberg, one of the world's richest individuals, announced that his company was changing its name from Facebook to Meta. The move reflected the company's plan to pivot from creating and maintaining a social media platform to the metaverse, a nebulous and poorly understood concept that promises to blend the real world with a virtual one of their making. Many other businesses jumped on the bandwagon and in short succession began announcing their own plans for the metaverse, even before the term entered popular consciousness and understanding. After all, if Facebook is doing it, we can't miss out, right? This week, the Taiwan-based company Honghai, also known as Foxconn, one of the world's largest contract electronics manufacturers servicing such giants as Apple, BlackBerry, Amazon, Nintendo, Nokia, Sony, Google, Xiaomi, and Microsoft, announced it too would be joining the Metaverse party. They promised to invest 100 million US dollars in another Taiwan-based enterprise, XR Space, a developer of virtual and augmented reality devices. The goal is to incorporate technologies developed by XR Space, like digital avatars, creating 3D virtual spaces, computer graphics, and tracking of hand gestures into Foxconn's existing software and hardware. Even academia is jumping headfirst into the new craze. Last month, the National Taipei University of Technology opened an R&D center for the metaverse and extended reality in cooperation with companies like Meta, BenQ, and Yahoo. As a side note, extended reality, often abbreviated as XR, is a catch-all term for various technologies falling into equally broad categories of augmented reality, AR, and virtual reality, VR. With market giants such as Taiwan's Foxconn and the then-Facebook now Meta betting heavily on the metaverse, I thought it would be worthwhile to take a look at this concept, its origins, and the possible impact it might have on life in Taiwan and elsewhere. Much like the internet itself, the metaverse was conceived in science fiction long before it made its way to the desks of CEOs looking for new sources of revenue. In 1992, Neil Stevenson published the seminal novel Snow Crash, in which people interact with each other in a simulated virtual environment, which is described as the successor to the internet. Users can buy land from a single company controlling the entire supply, 
on which they can construct their homes or whatever else they can think up. To access that space, a user needs a terminal whose power determines the quality of the user's avatar, or in other words, their virtual presence. Those using public terminals are rendered in grainy black and white and generally looked down upon. Stevenson is credited with coining the term metaverse to describe this simulated environment. Ernest Klein described a similar system, called the Oasis, in his 2011 book Ready Player One, later adapted into a movie. Like in Stevenson's metaverse, users of the Oasis interact with each other in a virtual world onto which they project themselves with the help of a VR headset and a pair of wired gloves. In his vision, the Oasis is a crossover between a multiplayer video game and a virtual society. It's worth noting that both these novels are generally classified as dystopian science fiction. Both contain strongly negative predictions about possible futures where humans live in abject poverty in a world where a handful of ultra-rich individuals control most of the wealth. By constructing elaborate virtual settings, those in power keep the populace satisfied, although docile might be more in line with the visions presented in the novels. Those digital worlds promise freedom and escape from the strife of real-world economic inequalities, even though few things in them are free, or at least to an average user. To fully enjoy the experience, the users need to buy property, accessories, pay for access to certain areas, or for better hardware in the real world, all using real-world currency or labor. Those things, of course, are owned and distributed by highly centralized business entities. The supposed freedom granted by the metaverse is superficial. Yes, the virtual self can look like anything the imagination can dream up, but the real-world power dynamics are still there, controlled more tightly than ever before. If those visions of the future sound eerily familiar to you already, you're not alone. Remember, though, that these are, after all, just stories. That said, there are still some very real problems associated with the metaverse the way it's being conceived right now. First in my mind is privacy. The way in which companies are collecting, storing, processing, and reselling user data is already a big issue in many jurisdictions. Can we really hope that it's going to be much different in the metaverse than it is now on the internet? Meta, which, just to remind you, used to be called Facebook, is planning to use targeted advertising in their rendition of the metaverse, which will necessitate collecting user information the same way it's being done now except there will be much more data to collect. Look at their track record so far. Should we really trust them with even more of our data? The second problem is technology. Currently, VR technology is prohibitively expensive for most users, while internet infrastructure in many places of the world leaves a lot to be desired. If you've ever been in a group call where someone's audio and video keeps freezing, chances are you're not looking forward to a similar experience in the metaverse. Running a virtual simulation for millions of people located in different parts of the world and accessing the same service simultaneously would require unfathomable amounts of processing power. Modern multiplayer video games are frequently struggling to keep their servers up and running despite player numbers orders of magnitude smaller. The metaverse could also exacerbate the problems of internet addiction, alienation from the real world, and division into disconnected echo chambers. It could also intensify various forms of abuse and harassment and serve to further concentrate power in the hands of companies that already have too much sway over our lives. So, is it all bad? Well, no. At least, not necessarily. 
The technology required to develop a virtual world of the magnitude currently envisioned could be a powerful tool in many crucial areas of human activity. Imagine a top surgeon performing a life-saving procedure on a patient 10,000 kilometers away by remotely operating a robot responding to her actions in a virtual space. Or learning geography by visiting lifelike virtual recreations of places too far or inconvenient to visit on a school trip. Or creating art using every conceivable technique and material without being bound by the limitations of time and space. The possibilities are endless and the technology itself might prove priceless provided we use it responsibly and communally and not let a handful of fantastically wealthy CEOs make it their next exploitative business venture. Let's hope that the billions of dollars that Foxconn and others are pouring into the metaverse craze ultimately serve to improve the world rather than turn it into a dystopian nightmare. Let's hope they see works like Snow Crash and Ready Player One as warnings rather than blueprints and take away lessons, not just buzzwords. Thank you for sticking with me through this unconventional episode of Newsmakers. Join me next week for another look at Taiwan's movers and shakers. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Hello there. You're listening to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. And my guest today is Joan Lin, who is a physical therapist specializing in aging and health. And she had spent some years studying in Sweden, just exactly in that field. So we're going to learn a lot about just the differences between, you know, policy-wise between uh, Sweden and Taiwan. And also the fact that she's also a yoga therapist. And um, we'll probably get to that later on. But let's meet Joan. Hi, Joan. Hi, Shelley. Okay. (laughs) Let's see here. You were from Taiwan, but then you went to Sweden for college, for university. Yeah, mm. for university. How many years that you were there? Uh, I was there for two years. Two years, yeah. right. And um, studying th- physical therapy. Uh, right. Therapy, yeah. Right. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, why were you interested in this field? It's a very specialized, you know, major. Yeah, because yeah, I feel like there are more, uh, more like older people in the world. And I think we need to learn from other countries about to understand their uh, aging policy is like and maybe we can help a little bit here in Taiwan so then I decided to work on this field oh you (laughs) must have a big loving heart for you know aging people or for older people are are you very close just a side question (laughs) are you very close to your grandparents are they still around or did you have a relationship with them yeah, I, I I was raised by my grandmother. Ah. Yeah, so I love her so much, but she's yeah. already in the heaven. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah. But still, like I I I'm inspired by her. Like I I really wanted to uh, do something for the elderly people here in Taiwan. Wow. Yeah. Okay. You know, um, I just want to explain to our listeners. I think it's pretty common for Taiwanese kids to be brought up by their grandparents. Yeah. Because a lot of times the parents, both the parents, they work. So it's like there's like double, you know, income, you know, resources uh, coming in to the family because um, I have to say the living expenses compared to other countries is low here in Taiwan or average. 
but then salary levels are pretty low in Taiwan. Um, and so, for that matter, uh, Taiwanese people has it's been hard for Taiwanese people, for example, to buy cars, to buy houses, and so um, both parents work is a very common thing in Taiwan. And so, then what to do with the kids? Well, the grandparents bring up the kids. So, so yeah. in Joan's case, it was her grandmother, your yeah. grandmother, who brought you up. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So anyway, um, but then why did you decide to go to Sweden to study physical therapy? Oh, actually, I was planning to go to the U.S. Oh, to okay. study a uh, doctor of th- physiotherapy, mm-hmm. but it's too expensive. I, <laughs> <laughs> I discussed with my mom, and she said like we cannot afford it. So I start to look at some programs in Europe. Then I decided to study uh, in Sweden because they have this program, and I'm a lot of interest in here. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I think um they welcome foreign students, uh, you know, these uh, European countries and like North European countries too. And um actually I mean I think like sometime in the past it was like free tuition yeah. for, you know, their own students as well as foreign students, but but still um, even though you know you have to pay tuition, but it's not as much as if you were to pay tuition for going to the states, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like much lower, I guess. Yeah. So, and I think um, benefits are better in Sweden, I suppose. Uh, you uh, mean students' benefits? Yeah. Yeah, like uh, we we can learn their language for free, mm. and the health. Uh, insurance also free. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> I was going to ask you if you learned their language. So how do you say <laughs> "I love you" in Swedish? Oh my god! I have <laughs> to say I don't know. <laughs> okay. I can say like "thank you," "hi," um, stuff like that. Like oh, really okay. basic. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what's "thank you"? Uh, tak. Oh. Okay. Yeah. And and what's um what was the other one? Uh, hello. hello? <laughs> so it's just hey. It's hey. H e j. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Or oh. you can say hey hey. Oh, well, you know what? I think I've seen that sign um um over at IKEA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just right there when you enter IKEA. <laughs> I wonder. So that's yeah. the meaning of okay of hello. Yeah. I see. Very interesting. Anyway, um, you were saying that you actually learned some things about the policies. That they have in Sweden, yeah. Um, for is it you mean like to help with the aging population? Yeah. Um, that you know you wish that you could bring back to Taiwan, but then you were saying that there's culture difference, so it makes it hard for Taiwan to apply the same policies here in Taiwan. Yeah. Now, why true. is that? I think it's the culture aspect because like for Scandinavian people, they are more independent, so they don't expect their child to raise them when they get older Mm. and so they uh, usually live independently or in a nursing home and so they start to prepare this like uh, from uh, when they are young so they uh, cultivate their interest and they don't uh, rely on their children to um, solve like things like uh, cell phones or like uh, how they live their daily life like groceries and stuff like how to communicate with other people uh-huh. yeah um, but in Taiwan here like when you get older you expect your children to look after you like in 
like small things、mm. in life.、Mm. So I think that's a lot of differences、uh, yeah. between Taiwan and、uh, Europe. Oh, yeah. Well, when you say they try to, you know, start preparing themselves for when they grow old,、um, that they do that when they're still young. Well, how young are you talking about? Maybe I feel. Uh, since college, like you start、really? to、cultivate、realize, ca- yeah, cultivate habit and start to realize who you are. If you need、oh. to introduce yourself to others, then what kind of、uh, words will you describe yourself? Oh, yeah, yeah. I know we were talking about this before this before we started this show, but、uh, you, you you kept repeating this thing about、yeah. you know learning about who you are、yeah. yourself. Why is that? Why is that so important? It's it's、yeah. a way to get to know yourself better. Yeah, because I feel like in what I what I've learned in Sweden is like, because、uh, when you don't work anymore and when your children、uh, start to have their own family,、yeah. and you have only yourself or even with your husband or wife,、yeah. and they don't have this emptiness. Like they actually have a lot of time. Uh, have a lot of、uh, happiness because、um, they can travel all around the world and they can do the things they like. But what I've observed here in Taiwan is that when they get older, they have this emptiness in their mind because、mm. they don't know what to do. When their children have their own family,、mm. then you stop look after them, and you have a lot of time, but you don't know what to do. Because、mm. you don't know who you are, what you like to do, and、uh, you have this emptiness, and you start to feel like unhappy and stuff like that. Oh,、mm. well, that that reminds me. Then I've got to start early <laughs> because、um, I always thought that I don't have any interests, but I think I do now. I think,、mm-hmm. and that is that.、Um, you know, I like I, I like dancing,、oh, so I, I I used to take like Zumba classes before、oh. COVID. Mm. But after COVID, I haven't taken Zumba class at all, and of course, I actually, you know, could just watch some YouTube's and do Zumba at home. But、yeah. even then, you just reminded me I've stopped. <laughs> I don't know when I just stopped.、Yeah. Uh, maybe <laughs> after I got a cat in the house, so I stopped. <laughs> It takes too、But. much of your time. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. I'm speaking with Joan Lin, a physical therapist who specializes in aging and health. But you know what? I think we need to explain to our listeners again. And another thing is that、um, I think Taiwanese people look to fill up piety.、Mm. It's like that loyalty that you have to your parents、mm. or ancestors. Yeah. And so parents expect the children to take care of them when they grow older. Yeah, and they are afraid that the children will forget about them、yeah. when they grow older, or when they, you know, when they when they die. Yeah, and they want make sure that if it's a more traditional kind of、um, faith within、mm. the family,、uh, religion within the family, then they want to make sure that they are remembered. Yeah,、uh, together with all the ancestors, you know, they are afraid that children will forget them and then not pay respects. Yeah, which yeah. you know that's what older people tend to worry. Yeah, and so. Yeah, now you just made me realize because both my parents and my in-laws are still well and alive. They are growing older because they're all above eighty. In fact, my father-in-law is like ninety,、mm. and、um, there are certain things that they don't know how to do it in the house. And even if you teach them about the mobile, they'll forget <laughs> again. 
Yeah. And then you teach them again, and then they'll forget again. And it's like, it gets a little frustrated, you mm. know? And it's like, ugh, I feel terrible when I'm, you know, when I lose my patience in front of them. Yeah, true. But yeah, I think there's really, it's difficult. But isn't there any way that we can really kind of like imitate the way they do things in Sweden for the aging population, for, yeah. for the aging people? Is there any way that you think? I think it's to, uh, like from my perspective, I think... Uh, uh, to heal yourself is a very uh, important way for you to heal. Heal, oh, yeah, yeah. Because to know who you are from very early, mm. and so you don't have to experience this this emptiness mm. when you get older, and mm. uh, you will feel more independent, and you can have your like normal social life. Because a lot of people here in Taiwan, like they don't like when they work, they devoted themselves into work. When yeah. they have family, they devoted themselves in the family. They don't have this social networking when they get older, and so when everyone leaves home, they just feel like they are not. They feel alone. Yeah, they, they feel, they feel lonely. Uh, lonely. Mm. Yeah, so I think to know who you are, to know what you like, what you like to do, and connecting with these people from very early, I think it's this is very important. Mm. And to know who you are and to learn the stuff that you feel passionate about from very early. But I think it's also having to teach them mm. that when children move away and have their own families, yeah. they don't forget you. You know, no. to convince mm. them that, you know, you're not forgotten. Mm. You'll still be remembered, yeah. you know. And, and I don't know, to, to, you need to get that in the head. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, they, ha they have to realize that their children have their own lives. Yeah. And so they also need, you know, draw boundaries. Boundaries, yeah. Right? And mm. things like that. But I think, though, um, since you've been back in, from Sweden, do you feel like there's been a bit change now? Because older people are definitely doing more and there are ways to get them involved. Yeah. You know, like get them busy with different activities and they're exercising more. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think um, older people are loving nature more. They're yeah. loving exercising more. Yeah. They're doing more mountain climbing and hiking and maybe chess, Chinese chess <laughs> and, you know, things like that. So I think it is changing, maybe slowly, but I think it's changing. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's definitely changing. And also, I really like the concept. Uh, the they have this to eat lunch together. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah, yeah. I think this is good because we don't deliver your lunch to your place. Uh, I think it's good to you to come out and to have lunch together with other people because you can chat with other people, share your experience and to share your like what's on your mind lately and they right. can help you with the problems. So I think this is a really good concept mm. uh, from the government. And yeah. also my students, um, they're more like they're really busy. How these old are your students? Uh, more than on the 50s, average, more like, okay. Yeah, 50 to 70s. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they're really busy. Like they <laughs> go like hiking and they do yoga and they learn um, calligraphy. Calligraphy, and, yeah, 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 yeah. That stuff. Like they are so busy these right. days. So it's changing, uh, right. definitely. I'm glad to know that Joan agrees with me that the old people in Taiwan are doing more with their time now compared to maybe 10, 20 years ago. Like they're doing more exercise, getting together with friends, finding hobbies. 
Well, next week, Joan will touch on how the old people she knows wish that they had started their bucket list earlier. For In the Spotlight, I'm Shirley Lin. Thank you for tuning in to Radio Taiwan International, Taiwan's national broadcaster. We hope you enjoyed our programs. You can catch all of our latest news, audio, and video features on our website at en.rti.org.tw. Again, go to our website en.rti.org.tw for engaging news, videos, and programs about Taiwan. If you like to hang out on social media, RTI is there too. Our Facebook URL is Radio Taiwan International. And you can watch our engaging video features, including the weekly news magazine program Taiwan Insider, on our YouTube channel, RTI English. Again, our YouTube channel is RTI English. For those who enjoy the Twitter sphere, our handle for Taiwan Insider is at Taiwan Insider. For RTI English, it's at Radio Taiwan underscore ENG. And if you'd like to enjoy us on your smartphone, just download our app RTI to go. That's one of the best ways to enjoy all our news, videos, and programs. That's RTI to go. If you're a shortwave listener, we have two channels in Asia. For South Asia, tune into 6100 kilohertz from 1600 to 1700 UTC. To Southeast Asia, you can hear us on 15320 kilohertz from 0300 to 0400 UTC. We would love to know what you think of our programs. Email us at english at rti.org.tw. Thank you again for tuning in to Radio Taiwan International. Music